We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Delato. Season's on the way. I'm super excited for week one. But before we get there, we want to talk sleepers today. So let me tell you what constitutes a giant sleeper for the 2023 season. A giant sleeper is someone who has not been discussed that much during training camp in the preseason. A giant sleeper is somebody who maybe lost a little bit of buzz in the preseason or didn't get enough buzz in the preseason and training camp. But we feel like this player will outproduce the expectation. That's all a sleeper has to be. He has to be somebody who's not discussed that often or as often as the big guys. So you won't see Kayvon Thibodeau. You won't see Aziz Ojalar. You'll see those guys on the breakout pod, Daniel Jones breakout pod. But also we feel like they can outproduce what the expectation is for them. So Nick, I'll let you get started. Give me your first sleeper for the 2023 season. First sleeper for the 2023 season for me is going to be Dane Belton. Now, you and I have discussed Dane Belton quite a bit on the podcast. He's a sleeper because we know Jason Pinnock, who we had on the breakout show. We know he's going to be the starter, whatever that means. He's going to more than likely play the second most snaps behind Xavier McKinney. But We know Wink Martindale loves to use a ton of safeties, loves to use seven defensive backs at a time. And I don't know if he's going to use that as much, which was 10% last year with Bobby Okereke now on the roster, but we're going to see safeties play. Dane Belton is going to be out there and we're going to have a bold prediction podcast, right? So maybe I'll save some of the thoughts that are in my head. He's a, he's a freaking pick magnet, man. And I feel like the giants know how to use him in the short to intermediate zones. And especially with match type of coverages, I think he's very sticky. I think he's very deceptive with how he, moves in certain directions to give the quarterback the impression that he's vacating a zone before going right back into that zone to intercept the pass that was going to a route that was coming behind him. He's very aware. He's very smart in those short to intermediate parts of the field. So I think Dane Belton is a name, especially now that he has a year under his belt. If we go back to last season, he missed the first game of the season with a clavicle injury. And according to him on a podcast about two or three months ago, he said that he re-injured the clavicle after the bye week. So his snaps got dialed back. We thought maybe those snaps got dialed back because of the Damian Pierce 44-yard rush that he absolutely blew. But it wasn't that. It was an injury that we were unaware of. Dane Belton is, is primed for a for a mini breakout type of season as a, as a reserve player, but a player who operates in the sub packages. So that's why we have him constituted as a sleeper. And as always, sub packages for the Giants, especially with Wink Barndale, and this goes basically across the NFL, but even more so with Wink Barndale, are essentially base packages at this point. Yeah. The NFL is running more sub than base, so essentially it's not, you know, it gives him that opportunity that you just discussed. He's on my sleeper list as well, Nick. 
anyone who's listened to me this offseason knows how high I am and his chances of being a sleeper. I went on Talking Giants a couple months ago, named him as my favorite sleeper at the time. He may not be my favorite sleeper anymore, Nick, just because of where Jason Pinnock's kind of risen to. Um, but I still like everything you said. I think the number one thing that you that you landed on here is just that he has a different level of natural instincts for playing the safety position than most people you see when you watch the tape. And what is that going to lead to? It's going to lead to one, an opportunity for a defensive coordinator like Wink Martindale to scheme up opportunities for him, right? The scheming just doesn't happen only on offense. It's going to happen on defense too. He's going to put him in robber type situations and places where he can be in a spot to make a big play on the ball, whether that be a PBU or an interception. So I think he could be that big play spark of the defense. I have my concerns from putting in breakout from a run defense standpoint, you talked about the Damian Pierce run, and that may be what ultimately holds him back from being what Pinnock can be this year, which it looks like Pinnock's definitely assumed for now. Things can change in season. Roles can change going into it. Obviously, seems like Pinnock has risen above him. But I still think his ability and his natural instincts and in pass coverage make him a really intriguing piece that maybe the Giants don't really have outside of Xavier McKinney in that secondary, including guys like Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins as well. So for that reason alone, I definitely qualify him as a sleeper this year. There's one player who is older and a lot more experienced than him on the roster who I think also does the things that we love about. Dane Belton pretty well. And that's Bobby McCain, who we weren't yeah. certain if he was going to make the team. He had the concussion. But if you go through Bobby McCain's tape when he was with Washington, even if you want to go as far back when he was with Patrick Graham and the Miami Dolphins, he does similar things. He knows how to manipulate zone coverage and where to be. And he also understands route combinations and where receivers are going to be and understands how to kind of play with quarterbacks to position himself. He's not as, I would say, physically talented in terms of athletic ability, in terms of length as Dane Belton, but he's someone who can come away with a couple of interceptions and just be like, oh, Bobby McCain, there we go. Wanted to just give him a shout out. Yeah, he deserves that shout out because that was probably one of the big reasons they brought him in. All right, Nick, I'm going to go with my number one sleeper for the Giants in 2023 as Nick McLeod, the player who came in last year off that Buffalo practice squad. And or was he on the roster? Or was he practice squad? I can't remember. But he was the I practice know- squad. Giants claimed him after the after preseason. He was one of the waiver okay. claims. Mm-hmm. Yep, one of their waiver claims after preseason from that Buffalo practice squad. Mostly special teams are there. It's player there came over the Giants was much more productive than people realize on a per snap basis at corner, tried to convert him a little bit to a safety this offseason, and they came back around the Giants and said, let's put him back at corner. We don't love our depth there. I think there's an outside chance Nick McLeod could play a lot more corner snaps than people realize this year. Obviously, the hope for the Giants is everything works out great, and these two rookies in Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks can play the role they're hoping that they can play. That's the ceiling play. The Giants are going for the ceiling first off. You obviously try to hit your ceiling, But if the ceiling doesn't work out and they are rookies and they are struggling in pass coverage because they are rookies, that's when you turn to Nick McLeod. That's when you turn to someone who has proven it on film within this system already. Last season, he was 44th best among all cornerbacks in the NFL at yards per reception allowed, just 11 yards per reception, 44th best, 41st best, I should say, at forced incompletions per target. He had four PBUs. That's pass breakups, despite playing just 316 snaps for context. Sauce Garner led the NFL with 14 PBUs, but he played double the snaps, and that's the best in the NFL. I think Nick McLeod has put on tape the ability to compete within this defense and play pretty damn solid football corner. I would not be surprised if he's a sleeper to play more snaps than people realize, rise up the depth chart, be that guy in case they get injuries at the corner position that you can rely on and you can feel comfortable. They lost Fabian Moreau this offseason. They were able to retain Nick McLeod, and this is a player who I think is going to play a bigger role than people realize in 2023. I'm right there with you. Nick McLeod is on my list as well. Nick McLeod played just under 50% of the snaps 
last year for the Giants on defense. And a lot of that was towards the end of the season. If we remember when he was first activated, I'm not sure if he was activated before the Green Bay game, but that's when we started seeing him on defense because he's also a special teamer who played like 45% of the special team snaps last year as well. But Nick McLeod covered Randall Cobb on that third, I think it was like a third and eight. And Aaron Rodgers targeted him right when he got in the game. It was a crossing route. And I, I don't think the throw was perfect, but Nick McLeod was still there to knock the football down and force. I think they went for it on fourth down and they aired it out to Alan Lazard and it ended up going incomplete. Regardless of the fact, every time Nick McLeod got on the field, there was a young player and offenses circled him and they attacked him and he rose to the occasion and he's a sure tackler. We're going to see a lot on Monday night with these young rookies. You have Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins, and I think they're going to do everything in their power to get CeeDee Lamb against Trey Hawkins and the bright lights the entire NFL world is watching. I hope it goes over well, but to say that I'm not a little bit scared about that situation and the prospects of starting two rookies would be a lie. Those two need to rise to the occasion, but you're right, bro. If they don't, if something happens or if injuries even happen, you have Nick McLeod, you even have Darnay Holmes, who you can slide back in the slot, kick a Dory Jackson back outside if a Dory Jackson is playing the majority of the snaps in the slot too. So I love the McLeod call. And I also think he's a better run defender than he's given credit for. Yeah, that's another great point. He was really physical in the run game and pretty solid in that regard too. I don't have the tackle numbers in front of me, but I bet they would bear out uh, well. Uh, just a low-key thing that I, that I was thinking about based off what you just said, Nick. I'm actually more concerned with Brandon Cooks on the outside than I am with CD. If CD Lamb is lining up in the slot as I expect him to in a Mike McCarthy system where just like nothing really changes, you have your slot, you have your two boundaries, unless he, you know, takes over Kellen Moore concepts, still remains to be seen what kind of offense he's going to run. I think we'll probably go back to his roots. I don't think Brandon Cooks has lost much. I think he was one of the steals of the offseason by the Dallas Cowboys. From tape I watched last year, he looked just as explosive at creating separation. He just had a horrific quarterback play, and he didn't want to play for a shitty Texans team. He was done with that. He would rather move on and compete and play his last final snaps in the NFL on a great team. And now he feels like he has an opportunity. I'm more concerned with him on the outside. And I think Brandon Cooks is a is not is a nightmare matchup, to be honest, for the Giants in week one. And that goes for Devontae Smith when they have to play him. Any of those quick speed guys against bigger, more press man, physical type corners like a Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks. I know Banks has recovery speed, so I'm not as worried. But those guys can win quick off the line of scrimmage and win clean off the line of scrimmage. That's when I start to get concerned because Dak Prescott has his flaws. We know that. But what he does well is process fast and he could see and hit those guys on the vertical plane because he processes so fast who's going to be open and he gets the ball out to those guys. So just something we can talk about later in the week more, but that's where I'm at with, with the, with the giants uh, corners versus the Cowboys receivers. If we were hosting a Cowboys podcast. Brandon cooks would be a sleeper yes. for us. Be like Brandon cooks is going to have a huge role this year. He's going to change how defenses play the Cowboys because you actually have a competent wide receiver opposite of CD lamb. And if the giants opt to crowd the line of scrimmage, like they do, there's going to be a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside, especially if they're using bracket type of concepts on CD lamb, if he's operating in the slot. So cooks against Trey Hawkins, the third on the outside in a one-on-one -on -one obvious pre-snap situation, Dak Prescott is going to take that nine out of 10 times, and it's going to be on Trey Hawkins to rise to that occasion or Deontay Banks. And dude, if it was just Deontay Banks, we would be nervous. I'm not trying to, to pour cold water on the Giants cornerback situation, but if we had a rookie starting against the Dallas Cowboys, you'd be like, hey, that's who the offense is going to target. Well, the offense can target both of them, Dan. It's just something to consider. It's going to be interesting because I actually think the defense is going to be the, if the Giants win, the defense is going to be the one pulling them through in this one. I, and, and look, I hope we don't have Giants fans hitting the panic button after week one if the offense doesn't look the way they're hoping it does. Just remember, this Dallas defense is one of the best they're going to have to play all season. 
and they match up good against the Giants because they have edge pressure against our against Evan Neal. And not only that, they have a really aggressive coordinator in Quinn, who I think really is going to challenge Jones to 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 really get the ball out of his hands fast. So I wouldn't go crazy if the Giants' offense doesn't look that great in Week One. And they're like three or four safeties deep too, and yeah. they have one of the best coverage yeah. safeties in Curse, who's going to be aligning against Darren Waller. You also have Wilson, Donovan Wilson. You got Malik Hooker. I think they also got Israel Mukamamu, who's more of a, a backup, but he's like a six foot four converted cornerback. They have these unique body types, and Quinn also likes to use three safeties. So I think they're going to be able to match the Giants from a twelve personnel package. Like their defense matches against the Giants fairly well from a personnel standpoint. Agreed. Let's get on to your next sleeper pick, Nick. I'm going to go with Ashawn Robinson. I like Ashawn Robinson in terms of operating in base. We initially thought it was going to be Raheem Nunez Rochez, who, who was going to be that starter in base. And we were like, oh, dude, that is such an upgrade over what the Giants were trotting out last year. But then the Giants went out and they signed Ashawn Robinson as well. And I was like, oh, this is a lot better. And now Raheem Nunez Rochez, I think, is going to just be basically the guy who spells Dexter Lawrence as a nose which I think is a better fit for him. Whereas Ashawn Robinson can be that four eye technique who aligns on the inside shoulder of a tackle in base. When you're aligning in a tight front where three linemen, three defensive linemen are aligned within the tackle box. Then you have both edges on the outside. That's your defensive front. You create a five man front. You have those linebackers also positioned between the four eyes and the edges, Bobby O'Karake and Micah McFadden. And I think the giants just are going to have a much more formidable rush defense. And I think that's going to also carry over in terms of, power gap, which we talked about so much last year. They can't fit power gap. They can't fit counter. Now you got Bobby O'Karake and Micah McFadden, who I think is going to do much better with a competent linebacker next to him. And the down block on those power gap concepts that are running to the outside, you're not down blocking Henry Mondu. You're not down blocking Ryder Anderson or Justin Ellis. You're down blocking Ashawn Robinson if you're running to that side. And he is a very, very capable defensive lineman in the NFL. So I think he's not going to pop out in terms of statistics, but he's going to play a very valuable role here with the Giants. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. 
I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. This is Dan Schneier, the Big Blue Banter Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. And now Blue Wire currently has 300 shows with athletes, celebrities, passionate fans like myself. I found Blue Wire right around the time when I started the Big Blue Banter podcast. When I started Big Blue Banter in 2018, I had an idea for a show, a name for a show, and then I had to figure out how to monetize that show and grow that show. That's when I found Blue Wire. Kevin Jones put everything on the line for this company and then found us and this show a way to monetize the content with strategy sessions, provided us new segments, connect us with podcasters, and even gave us an opportunity to record in the Win Vegas studio. Blue Wire has now raised over $10 million privately to grow and operate the business, and they're raising another round right now on WeFunder to expand the sales team and improve the operations. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It gives everyone an opportunity to be a part of the growing startup. This is not a donation. You're investing to own a piece of BlueWire. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or you want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com slash BlueWire. And remember, supporting BlueWire is another way to support our show and this podcast. Nick, you ever been in the spot where you just felt like, I've got a few hours to go. I'm going to this game. I'm buying tickets. I don't have the tickets yet. You're stressing. The anxiety is at an all-time high. You're trying to figure out what the heck you can do to get to this game. That happened to me a few years ago when the Wisconsin Badgers made the Sweet 16 game in the Madison Square Garden. My dad, diehard Badgers fan, the reason I went to Wisconsin, the reason I am a Badgers fan, I needed to get him tickets for that game. It was his birthday. So I'm stressing. I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I figure it out. I use the GameTime app. The GameTime app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and anything near you. They got killer deals, last-minute tickets. You click open the app, and you're shocked to see that you can actually go to these games, having a good time, and not actually have to pay so much money that it breaks your bank account. Stanley Cup Final Week 1 this past season. I used the GameTime app last second. It was actually past the time of puck drop. Went on the app. I was in Vegas. Saw the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Florida Panthers. And I also used the GameTime app to buy my entire family when they came out here to Phoenix to visit me to see Tom Segura's special, which is actually the same special Netflix used for their video tapings. And I love it because you can find so much on the app. Like you get an actual image of the seat view. Not like you're buying a seat with an obstructed view. It's an actual image. You know what you're getting. 
lowest prices that I've seen by far, and that's their guarantee. You get an event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They go all out here to make sure that this is a great experience for the user. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code BANTER. That's B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code BANTER, B-A-N-T-E-R, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You nailed it, Nick, from an analysis standpoint. Ashton Robinson is number two on my sleepers list behind McLeod. Remember, I'm ordering them in, like, order of biggest sleeper to, to least biggest sleeper type of thing as far as impact goes. I think, like you said, you just said it best. It may not show up in the stat sheet or the box score, but in what he can do outside of the box score, that's where it's going to show up. And like we've talked about all offseason, to me, the biggest weakness on this roster last year was their inability to stop the run in key moments. That Eagles game, yes, I know people have argued with me about this on Twitter. They're like, why are you blaming the run defense fully for that game? The offense did nothing. But I think the offense partially did nothing because they were playing from so far from behind and had so few opportunities because the Eagles milked the clock, kept the ball all day on offense, and the Giants had literally zero answer from a schematic standpoint due to the personnel. This changes what could be their biggest weakness. And last season, which was not a great season for Robinson as he battled through injuries, the year, so I'll explain why in a second the stats that back that up. But last season, even in the down season due to injuries, Robinson had 18 run stops. Remember from earlier or from the breakout podcast, a run stop, according to Pro Football Focus, is what constitutes a failure on a run place. So that could be, I believe, a two yard gain or fewer. And that includes tackles for loss. In just 177 run snaps, that's 18 and 177, that was just over 10% of his snaps that ended in a run stop. That was right along the lines of Dexter Lawrence, who had a great season, as we obviously know. He had 38 run stops and 351 run defense snaps, also just above 10%. So he was still really impactful, even in a down season as a run stopper. The year before, he was a top 20 player, according to Pro Football Focus, among all interior defensive linemen overall. That takes into effect his 14 pressures as a pass rusher, which aren't amazing, but he also only had 216 snaps or 217 snaps as a pass rusher in 2021. So I think there's a little bit more juice as a pass rusher, but more importantly, he's going to give the Giants that stronger front and that ability to Take the run game out of it, right? Make this def or I'm sorry, make this opposing offense be a little bit more one-sided, a little bit more. We know what you're gonna do. We don't have to guess run or pass because we're forcing you to pass the ball based on our personnel that we don't even have to put commit that many resources to the run because we have these three guys on the line of scrimmage and Ashawn Robinson, Dexter Lawrence, and Leonard Williams. So I love him to be a sleeper impact player for the Giants. We've talked about it a lot. The Giants and Joe Shane identified an issue with each side of the football and said, we need to get this. We need to get this. And on offense, it was, we need to get explosive plays. On defense, it was, we need to find a way to stop the freaking run, specifically power gap, but we need to find a way to fit the run. We need to bolster our front seven. Ashawn Robinson is one of the primary individuals who are going to bolster that, along with Bobby Okereke. So if you just look at the, the personnel from last year to this year in terms of how they're going to stop the run. Obviously, we need to see it translate to the football field, but the personnel is so much better. The Giants were just... We we entered the season last year, week one, with Tay Crowder and Austin Calitro as our opening linebackers, Dan. And what did Todd Downing do, the former offensive coordinator of the Titans? He said, you guys are worried about Derrick Henry? Cool. I'm going to use my other running back, Dontrell Hilliard, and he's going to have two touchdowns receiving and also a huge play that went for like 30 yards. Yeah. He identified and isolated the issue with the Giants, the linebackers, and he attacked. And that was a story all throughout the season. That's why the Bobby Okereke signing was so important, but also just getting 
competent defensive lineman who can spell Dexter Lawrence, who can spell Leonard Williams. If one of them gets injured, you still aren't going to be absolutely dead in the water in terms of your personnel. That was a priority. And Joe Shane did, I would say, a just grand slam job at fixing the roster. Completely agree, Nick. All right, so we've had McLeod. We've had Ashawn Robinson. We've had Dane Belton. My next sleeper pick, Nick, is going to be Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins, you know, we talked a lot about, and we hyped him up this offseason back in March, back in February, back in April. I feel like that buzz has completely kind of dissipated uh, as the season's gone on. Obviously, it makes sense. We have Jalen Hyatt now in here who's creating a lot of buzz. Darren Waller's creating a lot of buzz. Sterling Shepard's coming back from injury. Paris Campbell, they have a lot of different players there. But I still think Isaiah Hodgins could be a sleeper to make a much bigger impact than people realize. There's a lot of reasons behind this, Nick. But let me just talk about this one to start. He played 86.6% of his snaps last year with the Giants on the boundary. That was 11th most in the NFL on a per-snap basis. He is their best option as a boundary receiver. He is also their best option, as you mentioned on the last podcast, breakouts. If you want to run those crackback blocks, you want to run those power gap schemes, moving him into the slot as a run blocker. These are the things that are going to keep him on the field. Also, as we saw in the preseason, he may be the best on the team at extending away from his frame, snagging a football, and having that big catch radius to make those plays. Obviously, on the Daniel Jones play that we discussed at length on one of our preseason film reviews, he snatched that ball out of the air extended, caught it, and then created yards after the catch on that play. He also had another play earlier from Tyrod Taylor in the first and the preceding game before that, where he had a really nice nine yards after the catch, where he kind of spun out of a curl route and turned it into another nine yards. He was top 30 last season, Nick, in overall PFF grade. He was top 10 among wide receivers in drop rate, and he was top 45 on a per route basis for yards per route run, despite having an ADOT of 82nd. And we think that is going to rise this year. And it's very hard, by the way, to be top 45 in yards per route run when you have an 82nd ADOT. You're just getting all short passes. So I think Hodgins hasn't gotten the buzz lately because there's more, quote-unquote, exciting players. But he, to me, is somebody who can be a sleeper to make a much bigger impact than people realize right now or that maybe people are giving credit for heading into the season. Do you think he could lead the Giants in the receiving room, yards or catches? Taking out Darren Waller, obviously. I think he has a chance to lead the Giants in catches. I don't think he'll lead them in yards, if that makes sense. That oh, makes plenty of sense. I think Paris Campbell could. I mean, Darius Lane. Again, we might go over stats before preseason week one. This Giants team is very difficult to stat out. <laughs> yeah. They're, the wide receivers, you have no idea what's how the how they're going to incorporate them. But I love Isaiah Hodgins. I love that call. I, I think a lot of Giant fans are on to how talented and how important Isaiah Hodgins was to the Giants last year. Like we said. The Giants getting their ass kicked against the Detroit Lions allowed him to get valuable reps and then a couple weeks come to pass and he's out there having a huge impact for the Giants who heading into the season were relying on Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay and ended up starting basically David Sills because neither of those players were effective or knew the playbook. Yeah, and that's, thank God they're well past that point. All right, Nick, let me get to another one of your sleepers here. I debated on putting this player in here. Okay. And it's Micah McFadden. Rightfully so, we were very skeptical about Michael McFadden heading into the offseason because the Giants signed Gerard Davis from the Lions practice squad and started him over Micah McFadden in the playoffs. And Gerard Davis looked fine, but Gerard Davis is injured. And we were like, ah, is it going to be Darian Beavers or Micah McFadden? Well, Darian Beavers, he doesn't really look like he is fully back from his injury. Michael McFadden, to me in the preseason, when we saw him, looked solid, especially in the snaps when he did play with Bobby Okereke. This more so pertains to base personnel and rundowns. I think Micah McFadden isn't going to be a liability in terms of the run. I do have issues with him in nickel. 
I do have issues with him in coverage. He can be solid when pressuring the quarterback, which we know dating back to his days at Indiana, and also just in terms of keeping the continuity of the defense playing the run intact, he can affect positively along with Bobby Okereke what the Giants are going to do in that realm, which as we already discussed is very important. So I tentatively am putting Micah McFadden into the sleepers, but I am a little bit scared because I, I don't fully trust him in terms of the pass. I think that's fair, Nick. He didn't make my sleepers list, but I think there is the opportunity for him to take such a big jump in the in the way that you described do i the reason he probably doesn't make my list is i'm still a little bit skeptical is his functional athleticism laterally is he laterally agilent uh laterally agile enough to play to have on the field and not be a liability or more importantly to have on the field and keep your defense so multiple to the point where you can be playing the run and pass at the same time we'll see this season obviously he has the opportunity to do that every player can grow from year one to year two in, in probably the biggest way their biggest opportunity from a growth standpoint that they'll have in their entire career so we've liked what we see you're right there's been improvements we've already seen in the in the preseason especially from a run defense standpoint not that he wasn't solid there to begin with but he's shown the ability to maybe be some kind of an in impact player at times in the run game this year if things break right so i do like the pick as well i'll go to my next sleeper nick my next sleeper is going to be it's an interesting one you know what first i'm going to say one but we're not going to do analysis on it it's paris campbell we broke him down on the breakout show but i just view him as more as a sleeper just because i said like i said i have a little bit of struggle here uh thinking about who could break out there uh because because the, the, obviously the wide receiver room is so deep but i'm going to go with another player as a sleeper here i'm going to go with wandale robinson Wondell Robinson obviously exceeded expectations in my mind just from making the opening day roster, not being on the pup list, not being forced to miss four games. And I think because of his, you know, offseason and the injury, there hasn't been any buzz really around him at all. But the last time we saw him on a football field within the same system, a system like you mentioned before, and in plenty of times he was handpicked for to play a specific role, he broke out with a hundred yard game and he was freaking awesome. And he looked like exactly what they envisioned he can be. So now we fast forward a year later, and I don't think there's any reason to think that outside of the injury, obviously we have to see if he's fully recovered, all those things. But I don't think there's any reason to believe that he can't be an impact player for the Giants at times this year, especially if they're going to bring him along slowly, not put a lot on his plate, kind of use him in spots like they'll probably use Sterling Shepard in and out certain packages. Don't put too much wear and, uh, force on his body. I think he can make big plays in those big moments. So I'm going to put Wando Robinson on this list too. I love that. My last guy that I'm going to uh, go over, and, and also just in terms of Wondell Robinson, man, this, like you said, somebody that the Giants handpicked, but we didn't even expect him to really be active for week one. We thought he was probably going to start the season on pup in the Giants. And maybe, nah, I wouldn't say that, but I was going to say maybe if Cole Beasley was fully healthy, something different might have happened. It seems like Wondell Robinson is going to be ready to play week one, but he's off the pup and he's on the active roster. Not something we necessarily fully expected. So now that he is here, I'm right there with you. I want to go over somebody that he might not play a down, but okay. I want to talk about him. And that's Marcus McKesson, because we know the Giants interior offensive line had its issues last year. The only position that I am certain is, and we haven't even seen him play in a regular season game, is JMS. Is John Michael Schmitz. Uh, like, I'm fine. Obviously, him as center, I'm fine. We're going to take our lumps, whatever. But the left guard and the right guard spot had their issues. I don't think Mark Lewinsky is going to get benched. And the left guard spot, you have a battle between Azudu and Ben Bredesen, both guys who are a little bit uninspiring. I don't think Marcus McKethan has proven anything to us to say that he is a better option than either Ben Bredesen or Josh Azudu. But when you're that big, when you have that type of size, six foot seven, 335 pounds, and honestly, he moves pretty well for a guy of that size. If injuries happen along the Giants' offensive line, 
I think you could put McKethan in there and we're not going to have Wes Martin type of play. We're not going to look like the 2021 Giants. So I wanted to at least say his name and think and just kind of point out that he is a developmental piece that if we do see him, I think he is more exciting than a lot of developmental pieces. I like that call, Nick, because we could be in a spot this season where he might need to be called on. We don't know, obviously, how that's going to shake out. But we know what we know is last year, the Giants had an injury to one of their two starting tackles. It was Evan Neal. We pray this doesn't happen to Andrew Thomas. Knock on wood, it would be devastating. We also pray it doesn't happen to Evan Neal because that would be not equally, but in some ways just as devastating. If it does happen, last year they turned to Tyree Phillips. That's not going to be the case this year. He was solid, more than fine in those starts. Who are they going to turn to in this spot? Is it Matt Perry? Like, could it be McKethan if they feel like by that point, if that point comes, let's say it's midseason or late in the season, he's up to speed enough in his development to play that role? I'm not so sure the answer to that is no. I think it's possible that he could be that guy that they envision as the potential to be out there. Or, like you mentioned, is there an opportunity if we have some struggles on the interior offensive line, which God knows we had last year, really at both at all three spots in my mind at times, could he potentially play a role at one of those guard spots? I don't know, but I am intrigued by it, Nick, and I do like that pick because, like you said, he is a different mold than most players on this team from a size, length, and and in a lot of ways functional especially given the size athleticism standpoint. This dude had an 86th percentile broad jump at offensive tackle at that size. Like he's a good athlete for someone of his size. I, I, I'm dubious for him at tackle, but we know the Giants have trained him there. And we also know he's like 94th person. He has like over 35 inch arms with like a 98th percentile wingspan, a very long type of player. And there have been players of similar builds who have successfully played tackle. Obviously they're different players with different skill sets, but Orlando Brown is a similar size. So is uh, Trent Brown as well when he was with the Patriots and the Raiders. So it's not unfathomable. It's not ideal, but it could be a better option than Matt Pear. We're just not really sure. and We have no film to really base that off of because we haven't seen McKethan out there at a, any kind of consistent rate. Yeah, and who knows, but I like that call by you. All right, I got two more. We'll run them through. First, I'm going to go with one that some might not consider a sleeper, but it's going to be John Michael Schmitz. And why is he considered a sleeper for my list? It's because I think the impact he can make this season could be a lot greater than we're expecting or maybe as a rookie, or then we got last season from Feliciano and from Gates at that position. And what I mean by that is I think he could help those interior guards, those two guards along in a lot of spots, just playing next to them that they weren't really, you know, that that maybe wasn't the case last season. And if he, it does make the impact. And one of the reasons I think this Nick is just going back to his pre-draft profile. You know, you listen to what Bobby Johnson talked about and it was simply put, this is one of the smartest centers I've ever met with. And, that IQ, that football IQ could be the differentiating factor in a sack here, a sack there where the communication was off between the guards and the center. And now it's on. And now they have the protection set up for Daniel Jones. And I've always believed, Nick, for almost all quarterbacks in the NFL, even not just the pocket passers, you're better off if you're getting exterior pressure than if you're getting interior pressure. The interior pocket integrity to me is the number one thing you need as a quarterback because you can always step up through the exterior pressure. But if that pressure, like the Dexter Lawrence, for example, is right coming in your face, you now have to move laterally. And most of the time, the timing of the throw is now, the timing of the play is now completely off because you're moving laterally, you're scrambling to your right, or you're rolling to your off shoulder on the left. Everything's screwed up. But if you can just organically step through the pressure and the pocket is still clean in front of you, you have a chance to actually keep the play on time. So I just think having that in, in, you know, integrity of the interior pocket, which I think John Michael Schmitz could bring, could make all the difference in fixing some of those interior woes they had in pass pro last year. 
having that integrity. The integrity, yeah. As well I don't know if you watch South. There you yeah. go. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, John Michael Schmitz. That's I wouldn't consider him a sleeper. We've talked a lot about John Michael Schmitz, but just the overall upgrade of the interior parts of the line. Like John Feliciano was fine to me. He's not a plus, but John Michael Schmitz can be a plus in terms of being a top 15 center in year one. That's not ridiculous. I don't think John Feliciano necessarily was that. So if you give Daniel Jones a little bit more time to throw the football, maybe we'll get a little bit more explosive plays from the offense. One final sleeper here, Nick, for me, again, most of, mostly a projection, kind of like the deep sleeper, like you had Marcus McKeith, and this will be my deep sleeper pick. It's Boogie Basham, the player they just traded for from the Bills. I look at Boogie Basham's profile, and I see someone who has untapped potential from an athleticism standpoint, untapped potential from a schematic standpoint. This, the Bills scheme, despite that Joe Shane came from Buffalo and worked with Brandon Bean, they're running completely different schemes on the defense side of the ball here uh, with, the, with the Giants and Wake Martindale and what he ran over there with the Bills and uh, Leslie Frazier. I believe is who's who's been there, his coordinator over there. And to me, I just see him as a very good the, the you know the range of outcomes. I think there's a very good chance that he is just essentially a better version of Jihad Ward. Jihad Ward was incredibly unproductive on a per snap basis from a pass rushing standpoint last year. It was like having the worst possible outcome when he was on the field from a pass rushing standpoint. Boogie Basham is not going to completely change. And that's fine to say, like he obviously offered a lot more to the Giants than just his pass rushing ability. Jihad Ward was a glue on the run in the run defense. He set a hard edge. He was physical and he was kind of that enforcer, like in a hockey type of thing from a run defense standpoint, from a physicality standpoint. And that, that plays a role, right? Like he helped the defense get that edge and get that mentality. Sandy McCarthy out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the Rangers. Um as I, is that a Rangers reference? Because I don't follow hockey. Yeah, from the nineties, yes. Okay, okay. I Early two thousand. I just knew you're a Rangers <laughs> fan, so it's just a great, e- easy, educated guess for me. But I think Boogie Basham could play that role, but also add athleticism to it and be the guy who Wink Martindale can look at and be like, you know what? If I if everything breaks the way it can break on this play, and it's Boogie Basham who gets the best one on one matchup for, and we're and we're rushing the passer here, or it's a play action play, and we guess run, but it's a pass. He could actually maybe get the sack. He could actually maybe get the pressure in the quarterback hit, and that could change a whole game. That could change a whole series. You know, things of that nature. So I am definitely in on him being a sleeper impact player for the Giants this year. Competitive toughness through the roof, and I loved Timon Fox. You know, UDFA. I liked his tape coming out of UNC. O'Shane Zimenez is fine. This is a big upgrade over both those players. And Boogie Basham isn't this elite pass rusher, but he is a high floor type of player. Yeah, and that's going to upgrade the Giants as well. All right, those are the sleepers we have for today. Let's recap them real quick. And Nick, you can let me know if I forgot one. We have Nick McLeod, Ashawn Robinson, Paris Campbell, but he's also a breakout, Wandell Robinson, Isaiah Hodgins, Marcus McKethan, John Michael Schmitz, Dane Belton and Boogie Basham, the three who Nick and I were most aligned on were Belton, Nick McLeod, and Ashawn Robinson. So those are your sleeper picks for the Giants for the 2020. Say Micah McFadden. Oh, I miss Micah McFadden. I missed one last time with Pinnock, so we're also throwing Micah McFadden on that list as well. Those are our sleeper picks for 2023. Keep it locked and loaded on Big Blue Banter. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.